For those of you all that don't know, I'm not Pastor Sean. You're welcome. So um, when Pastor Sean asked me about um, probably a month ago that if I would preach this service because he was going to be out of town, I said, no, um, sorry, I, I have something scheduled. He said, well, you're not on the calendar. I said, I just booked it right then. So, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here. Pastor Sean and Angie, they're gone, enjoying some time together. They very, very much deserve it. So we're going to jump right in. And I want to start off with a little bit of history, for those of you that like history. On October 30th, 1991, a storm came that was stronger than any storm recorded in history. It hit the coast of Massachusetts, and the storm created an almost apocalyptic-type situation. There was boats that were going everywhere. The waves were 100 feet, which is equivalent to a 10-story building. The winds were 120 miles an hour. And while the storm may have not seemed to be near land or whatever, um, it was very deadly to those that were around. And there was lots of different people that were caught up in the storm, and many families experienced lots of loss throughout that. And historians have called it, and uh, people that deal with the weather, they call it the perfect storm. And so today we're going to look at a very similar type of storm in Scripture. If you will, if you'll stand for the read of God's Word, we're going to be in a very familiar passage of Scripture. Matthew 14, through 32. It says, immediately, say immediately with me. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Not fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock, say 3 o'clock. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walk on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them saying, don't be afraid. He said, take courage for I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you. Tell me to walk on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat. He walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he said. Jesus shouted immediately. Say immediately. And immediately he reached out and grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, Lord God. Thank you for this worship, Lord, that we've experienced, God. God, thank you for your presence, Lord, in this place, Lord. God, I pray that you just open our hearts, God. Open our minds, Lord, to receive what you would have to say, God. I pray that you just birth out, God, what you have sown into me this week and this past month, Lord. Lord, I pray that you just come out, God, anoint me, God, and use me, Lord, to upbuild your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You all can be seated. So a little bit of background. You know, we're all familiar with the story of Peter walking on water and Jesus walking on water. But Jesus, right before this passage, had just gotten done feeding the uh, thousands. He had just gotten done feeding multiple. He had multiplied the fish and the bread, and he fed all them. And Scripture starts out by saying that he insisted that his disciples get back in the boat. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone has to insist something to me, that means there's hesitation. And so that tells me that something wasn't right. The disciples knew something didn't sound right. Maybe the boat didn't look the best. 
Maybe the wind, they could smell the rain coming. Maybe they could smell the storm coming. Maybe the clouds were starting to get black. Whatever it was, they knew that there was something not right, and they caused hesitation. And when they get out into the ocean, Jesus isn't there. He's praying, which is common for that because a lot of times he would send the disciples off and he would go pray by himself. So that wasn't out of the ordinary. But then there's this storm coming, and I imagine, you know, I like to think it's a big dramatic thing, this awful storm. And I imagine that it's these big waves coming in, crashing into the boat, and they have big buckets of water, and they're just trying to get the water out of the boat. And it's a real dramatic scene, like a bunch of middle school girls all at one time. And I just imagine it's really dramatic. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, they're trying to get all this out. And we know that the storm is really bad because all the disciples are experienced fishermen. They were the best of the best. So it wasn't anything out of the normal for there to be a storm. But for them to be so anxious about it, so worried about it, it was a highly big storm. You know, here's the thing about it. When you're in the middle of a storm or sometimes you're going through something, one minute can feel like hours. You may be going through the worst thing in your life, and it could be one day, but it feels like three years. Um, but Jesus didn't show up till 3 a.m. So, you know, they left, so that means that they had to leave at daylight to get the boat pushed out. But Jesus doesn't show up till 3 a.m., so that's a long time for them to be out there. But when Jesus does show up, the disciples begin to doubt and wonder, who's on the water? They, cr they screamed out, there's a ghost. And it was probably Thomas, because Thomas was a doubter. That was his favorite trait. That was his best trait. And Jesus spoke and said, don't be afraid, but take courage, because I'm here. And, you know, in the flesh and in the natural, that's not a time that you want somebody to tell you that. When you're about to, you feel like you're about to die and you're about to sink, I don't want nobody telling me, calm down, it's all right, just chill. I'm like, no, we're about to die. we got to go. Somebody got to do something. <clears throat> but you're fighting for your life at this point, and even though it was super scary in the boat, they never got out. They stayed in the boat, even though it was rough, because it was comfortable. The boat is what they thought was their safety place. But Peter does something that we're all kind of guilty of. He put a fleece out. And for those of you that don't know what that is, makes a bribe with God, I guess you could say. He says, God, if that's really you, tell me to come out there, and I'll come out. Well, Peter does something that we also do. We say that, but we don't really mean it. A lot of times, we tell God, if they'll just sing one more chorus, they'll sing one more bridge, if pastor will say this, or if so-and-so will do this, they'll shout and they'll dance or whatever, then I'll step out, then I'll do it. So Jesus does just that. He calls Peter out on it. He says, all right, come on. And sometimes, we're not really prepared for what we're asking. Sometimes... We pray for God's will, but we really mean, Lord, I want it this way and I want it that way. Sometimes we think, God, you got it wrong because it wasn't my way. Sometimes we sit there and we think, God, this isn't what I prayed for. But in our reality, it is what we prayed for. We prayed for his will. So when Peter steps out on the water, it says that he's walking towards Jesus. So that tells me that his eyes were fixed on him at one point in time to be walking towards him. And it says that he was walking towards Jesus, so his eyes were fixed, and he had his eyes locked on the main goal. He knew what he was going for. And in his mind, I would like to think he knew, I can't lose, I can't lose my focus. I can't get distracted. But don't look at the waves. He was thinking, you know, can't, I can't look at the waves, can't think about the wind and all this. But when he unlocked his eyes off Jesus, 
he began to sink. And let's get real here. He let anxiety, probably fear, and some doubt creep in. He was terrified because he realized that he wasn't in control. You know, we have control issues. Whether we want to admit it or not, we want it to be able to say, God, I want my life to go like this. Please don't, please don't go off that path. Please and thank you. And we think that this, this wasn't against the norm. What he was doing shouldn't be possible. Walking on water is not normal, right? And so the, the disciples see this, and they're just as astonished as, as Peter is. Walking on water, science tells us we shouldn't be able to do that. Our minds tell us you shouldn't be able to do that. And I'm sure in his mind, Peter began to think, this isn't normal. Why I shouldn't be able to walk on water? He let the doubt sink in. And then he began to sink. But notice scripture doesn't say that he began to drown. It says he began to sink. And when I looked up the definition of sinking, sinking means going down below the surface. Get this, becoming submerged. If you look up the definition of drowning, this is what drowning means. To die through submersion, the same exact word used before, submersion in and inhalation of water. Sometimes in our own lives, we may become submerged, but the Lord will not let us drown. His hand will be there for us when the anxiety creeps in, when a panic attack happens at three in the morning, when the depression sets in so deep that you feel like in your life is, is the answer to it all. When the doctor's report isn't good. When your child that you raised in church is lost and you don't even know what to do about it. And I come here today because I recently had a 3M experience. I experienced a 3AM type experience and I didn't really realize that I was going to. But if you realize it says Peter called out and he said, save me, Lord. You know, he didn't just whisper, Lord, please help me. You know, just say your little prayers, your nightly prayers, go to bed, lay me down to sleep. But he had to get desperate with it. And, you know, when you're in a situation like that where you're between life and death, you feel like, you have to get desperate. You have to get down to business. Sometimes instead of calling the name of Jesus, though, we're really quick when we're in a situation like that, let's go post it on social media. Go post, oh, oh me, oh my, pity Big old pity party. But when you get desperate enough and you call upon the name of Jesus, this is what happens. If we continue down, it says, Scripture says that Jesus immediately, he didn't wait, immediately reached out and grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? It didn't say that Jesus just sat there and stared at him and debated on, you know, rescuing him like, you know, the little... The devil on one side and the angel on the other. Hmm, should I do this? Should I not? But it says that he immediately reached out to where he was because he could see in Peter's eyes. You know, during we've had all kinds of different events for youth here recently between Axios and Survivor Weekend, and we've just been having great crowds on Wednesday nights. But when I look out and see every single one of these students, both middle and high, I can see in their eyes what they're going through. You can see the hurt. You can see the pain. You can see the anxiety. You can see the depression. And I want to imagine that he reached out and he could see in Peter's eyes as he stuck his hand down 
the look of, oh no, I need help. And you know, he reached his hand out and picked him up right where Peter was. He didn't say, Peter, reach your hand out for me. He's, the scripture tells us he reached his hand down. He picked him up right where he was. You know, we have it so wrong in the church world today because we like to think that everybody has to look like us. Everybody has to sound like us. Everybody has to worship like us. Everybody has to teach like us. Everybody has to preach like us. But here's the thing. Jesus will meet us where we are, and he will reach out and grab you. So it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what your past is, who your family is, who your family isn't, how much money you have, how much money you don't have, what car you drive, what house you live in. Jesus doesn't expect us to come to this altar having it all together. You know, we like to, we like to that's why we scare people away from the church. They see our, our posts on social media and they see all this stuff. Like, why would I want to be a part of that when the church world can't even get along? But here's the real reality of it. We don't have to have it all together. Jesus loves the homosexual and the alcoholic and the alcoholic and all that just as much as he loves me and you. But it's a choice that we have to make in this life. But Jesus doesn't expect us to come all cleaned up into this altar and get it together and then try to come to him. And that's what we, we sometimes create. But that's the kind of Jesus we present to this world and the uh, kind of Jesus that they perceive. But the Jesus that I serve picks us up where we're at. Reaches his hand down as a Peter situation right where he's at. He helps us pick up the broken pieces. When we mess up, he teaches us how to move forward. When we start sinking, he reaches down his hand picks us up, dusts us off, and send us on our way. And I love this part, the last passage of this, last part of this passage we read this morning. It says, when they climbed back into the boat, they meaning Jesus got in the same boat that they thought was going to sink. He got right back into the boat with them. It wasn't just Peter that got back into the boat after this miracle was performed. Jesus got into the same boat with them that they thought they surely were going to die in. He got back in there and the wind stopped because when Jesus comes on the scene, things happen, just like they sung about. The wind stopped and the disciples gave him honor where honor was due and began to worship him. Now, if you're like me, you're a visual learner and you like to see it in front of you. So I just want uh, them to play a video real quick, just going through basically exactly how this um, experience went through.
You need to be strong. Alright, notice that when Peter looked back, that's when he began to sink. And when Pastor asked me about a month ago if I would preach today, I began to think, Lord, stir what you want me to preach inside of me. And I began to think this week about how the Lord has planted seeds for about the past month of this message in me. And I didn't realize that I would go through my very own 3 a.m. experience in the midst of it all. And I would need this own message for my own self. So I don't tell this for a pity party or anything like that. It's just, it's the raw truth. About three weeks ago, I found myself, if we're being honest here, a little bit overwhelmed. I felt like I was in a million different directions. Nothing was going right. Everything was going wrong. Life was getting tough. And I let the enemy creep in. And it wasn't one of those Monday mornings, I'm just going to quit. It was a little bit deeper than that. So one day I had made up my mind, I was done. I was done. Wasn't going to do ministry anymore. Wasn't going to do worship anymore. Wasn't going to do middle school anymore. I just wanted to be someone that came to church, sat on a pew Sunday and Wednesday, just going about my everyday life. I didn't, just to be honest, I didn't want to deal with the people anymore. I didn't want to deal with having to come here Sunday mornings at 7.30 in the morning, leave about 1.30. I was over it. I didn't want to have to come here on work office nights trying to get everything done after my secular job, be here till 10, 11 o'clock at night. I was over it. I was just done. I never really talked to Caitlin about it, and she told me after service. I didn't have to tell her. She knew. I'm like, well, okay. I'm glad you can read my mind. Um, but in my mind, I was trying to figure out, how am I going to tell Caitlin? How am I going to tell Pastor Sean and Angie? How am I going to tell my family? All those things in the Lord, that was on a Tuesday. I was done. I was ready. I was trying to figure out how to, who I needed to meet with first, what I was going to do. And on a, th on a Thursday morning, I heard the Lord stop me in my tracks. And in the heart of, this is where the heart of this message is planted. I had my mind so focused on the storm, so focused on the wind, on the waves, that I had forgotten my purpose. I forgot that I don't do this for me. I don't do this necessarily for you. And I felt like I was drowning, and I literally felt the Lord reach his hand down and grab mine when I said, I can't do this no more, and say, you're right. You can't do this on your own, but you wasn't meant to. And I began to think about over, as crazy as it is to think over seven years ago, I sat down with Pastor Sean and Angie, and I was trying to decide on, you know, what I was going to do for college. We all have these big plans. We're going to go to this big university, be away from everybody, because I did not want to be in Corbin no more. And I had all this gathered up. I was ready to go. And then, then reality hit. And I, Pastor Sean said something to me I'll never to this day forget. He looked right at me in his office at the old building and says, I just want you to know, a calling is something that you cannot put on the shelf and come and pick back up when it's convenient for you. There's some people in this place that have callings on their life that you've set on the shelf, and it's time to pick it back up. And then I realized that I, all this was happening, I accepted a position as a 
worship pastor intern, and then I would later become the worship pastor. And the Lord then called me to preach, and then the Lord placed a burden on my life for middle school students. And I look back, and I've seen all this and how the Lord orchestrated it all and how he knew that, you know, me and Caitlin would get married and we would be in ministry together and we would share the same passion, the same burden, and I was about to throw it all away because I didn't have my eyes set where they were supposed to be. I thought about how I was ready to give it all up and throw in the towel because I was looking at the storm. And, you know, is ministry always easy? No, by no means. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, sometimes that 3 a.m. experience becomes a little more personal when he comes down onto your level. You see, Karen's already said it. The Lord knew exactly who was going to be here today. He knew that I would be preaching, Pastor Sean would be gone, and you are here not by accident but for a reason. And I believe the Lord is calling us to get out of the boat in our 3 a.m. experience. And you know, you may be wondering, is it a bad thing to sit in the boat? I can't tell you it's going to send you to hell. But why would you not want to get out and experience the full fullness of God? Why would you not want to be part of a winning team? Why would you not want to be part of a growing kingdom? You know, in the middle of our 3 a.m. experience, when we all seem to see the height of the waves crashing around us, we can notice how strong the wind is. And when we allow it, the enemy will tell us things like, are you really called to that? Are you really making a difference? Is it really worth all that sacrifice, all that time? How can I, me, make a difference? But let me tell you something. God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. If you look in scripture, Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Jonah ran from God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a worrier. Thomas was a doubter. Sarah was impatient. Elijah was moody. Moses stuttered. Zacchaeus was too short. And Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. You know, in the church world today, we would gossip and talk about every single one of those and never let them in the pulpit. But think about this. If God can use them in their mess, what can he do with me and you? And when the enemy wants to come in and tear us down, I've learned this week, throw God's word back at him. 1 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Galatians 6.9 and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Revelations 12, 11, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their life so much that they were afraid. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you already to the end of the age. If they'll go ahead and come to the music. You know, when we're in the storm, the most comfortable thing for us to do is to stay in the boat. And one of the comfortable things to do is stay in the boat when society calls you crazy for even thinking about stepping out of the boat. But I feel like God is challenging us to step out of the boat and to step out into the uncomfortable. Do something just a little bit different. Step out and serve. Step out with some crazy faith. 
step out of the boat, but turn your eyes on him. You know, the significance of 3 a.m. is that it's exactly 12 hours after Jesus died on the cross. And the enemy at that point thought he had won. He thought he had killed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But what he didn't know was the third day was right around the corner. And the third day that he would raise back from the dead. Now I've researched it some this week and I want to crush any, anything before anybody gets anywhere with it. 3 a.m. in the secular world, if you've watched any movies about it, is about the witching hour, the devil's hour, the dark hour, whatever you want to call it. But I've come here to declare today the exact opposite of that. Because you see in the spiritual realm, in our world, 3 a.m. is the hour of victory. 3 a.m. is the hour that he sees you through. You know, there may be a storm brewing, or you might be in the middle of a storm. You may feel like you're drowning right now. But child of God, just look up. Turn your eyes towards Jesus. Because he is out there, and I love this part, he's out there in the storm with you. The same exact storm that you think is going to take you out, he's right out there with you. And he is reaching down his hand to get personal with you today. To pick you up right where you are. And if you'll go ahead and stand. There's two different scenarios that I think is represented here that the Lord has dealt with me in this room today. And the first one is maybe you're sitting in the boat and you have no intention of getting out. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And please, don't leave here today without doing that. Or maybe you're too afraid to step out. Maybe you're too afraid to step out to step into your calling. Maybe you've let church hurt get a little bit too deep. Maybe you've let the enemy be in your ear just a little bit too much. Maybe you say you don't have time for it because you make time for everything else but God. Or maybe you just need to grow a little bit in your faith today. And the second one is that maybe you've stepped out into the storm. And maybe you've unlocked your eyes on Jesus just a little bit. Maybe you've seen the waves crashing down. Maybe you've felt the wind shift your balance just a little bit. Maybe you felt like it was getting just a little bit too real. And you've let the enemy come in your ear and tell you all kinds of lies that you aren't good enough. You can't do this. You know, you don't need to be teaching people about Jesus because you can't even get your own life together. Or you can't tell people about freedom from anxiety because you just deal with it too. Or all those lies that the enemy throws into our ears and tells us and tears us down. And we lose focus of the main thing. We unlock our eyes with Jesus and look back. We focus on everything but him. But let me declare this over you today. John 10, 10, the thief does not come 
except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus comes so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is trying to destroy our passion and our purpose. And I challenge you today, don't leave here. First, if you've never accepted him as your Savior, don't leave here today. Best decision you'll ever make, I promise. But second of all, don't leave here drowning. Don't leave here feeling like you're sinking because life is a little bit too much. Because listen, life is real. If you will turn your eyes on Jesus, lock your eyes with him. Scripture's already told us he will meet you there. When we open this altar today, I want every single person in here that is physically able to, to come to the altar and join us. And I pray today that some will accept salvation, but I also pray today that those who feel like they're drowning in the middle of their storm will lock their eyes on Jesus and let him pick you up right where you are. See, the good thing about 3 a.m. is Midnight is your darkest, is the darkest time in the natural. And the sun rises at about five or six. So 3 a.m., you've already made it past the darkest season in your life. And at 3 a.m., it's comforting to know that the sun's about to rise. The light's about to break through. So even though 3 a.m. is not always the most comfortable place to be, the good news of it is that Jesus is reaching his hand down for you. He'll meet you right where you are. And some of y'all may think I'm crazy. I, I mean, I am. It's okay. But as I sat over there doing the 845 service, I sat there and I just closed my eyes and I watched. It was like I could almost see Jesus' hand reaching down and meeting people right here at this altar. There's people in this place that come from brokenness, come from homes that you shouldn't be here today you're you're against the norm you're not you're not the average person and this place is full of people if you're walking it you have a calling it's not always easy it's not always pretty but when you walk in that calling and you accept it in your life Lord does amazing things. Blessings you could never, ever imagine. So today, the Lord is here to meet us. But will you meet him here? And his hand is here to reach down to you. And I believe that some of us are going to come out of this storm stronger than we ever were. Some of us are about to experience the hand of God pick us up right where we are. It don't matter how broken you are, how much anxiety you face, how much depression you have in your life, what society says about you, where you should be and where you shouldn't be. You know, I'm not here for a church full of perfect people. If we were a church full of perfect people, we should be me. But I'm here for a church full of imperfect people 
working together to build the kingdom. We all mess up day in and day out. But the good news is he's here to meet you. So I'm going to pray this altar is open. I want to invite every single person to join us down here. Father God, I thank you for your word, God. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. God, I thank you, God, for the 3 a.m. experience, God. God, I thank you, Lord, that you will reach your hand down, God. You will pick us up right where we are, Father. God, I thank you, Lord, that daybreak is right upon the, is on the break of it. And God, I thank you, Lord, that what you're doing, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, you meet us right here, right now, God. God, I can see your hand reach down, God, meeting your people, God. God, I rebuke any anxiety, God, any depression, Father. God, you've not given us a spirit of fear, God, of power, God, of love, and of sound mind, Father. And God, I pray, Lord, that we wake up, God, and that we are, we are strengthened with boldness, God. God, that our faith be increased, God. God, if there's anybody here, Lord, that does not know you, Father, I pray, Lord, they don't leave here without putting a relationship with you, Father. It's in your name we pray.